0: Okay, So this morning I want to talk about tilling the ground of your heart and I put in this really um, attractive subtitle that just draws people in, makes everybody want to rush, uh, confronting the sluggard in our hearts. Um, If you don't want hits on social media, make that the title of your book. Um, But I just, you know, we're family here, so I, I, I'm not. <laughs> I don't have a creative team, you know, helping me with my sermons. Uh, I'm just like this is kind of what I'm preaching about, so this is the title. So and um, so tilling the ground of your heart, and um, part of how we have to view ourselves is as a garden. So Song of Songs talks about our hearts being a garden. It's, it's this imagery of, um, you know, there's a, a locked garden that's reserved for only you and the Lord. And one of the things that Song of Songs talks about guarding against is catching foxes in your garden, which is, how many of y'all have made a garden and you've had some kind of pest, like a, a deer, a fox, rabbits? insects, whatever it is, and they, they come and they destroy your crop. I mean, raise your hand if that's happened to you. All right, deer, not nearly as cute after they eat all your strawberries. And then I had one time, it, it was like a mean, was, this deer had to have had a, just a mean cold heart because the, the strawberries, I had me a little 20 by 30 garden, And he picked the long way to get to the strawberries through all my other vegetables. And and on the way to the strawberries, it's like he was doing this. And he just stomped on all my cucumbers and all my zucchini, ruined that. And he didn't even eat it, he just ate the strawberries. I was like, man, mm." Now I know why all those, you know, Peter Rabbit tales where the the farmer's like, I'm gonna kill you. But you get it, you get the side of the farmer because you've been working hard. You've been tilling the ground and uh, you're, you're having to wait. And then basically a thief comes in and tries to steal it. And, you know, we, we realize the animals are trying to survive and, and whatnot. But that's why we put the fences up. We guard, we guard it. And that's why Song of Solomon talks about a lot garden because you have to protect your heart. Proverbs 4 says, Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it flow the well-springs of your heart. And uh, I was talking with my kids er, yesterday, and um, they asked me why this one particular Disney movie I wasn't going to let them see. And they actually saw the first one. This was the sequel to one of the Disney movies. I said, I didn't like that first one. Now, I don't have this blanket no Disney movie rule. I don't have a blanket no R movie rule, I don't have a blanket PG-13. Because you can have a PG-13 movie or even a PG movie that's got a, like the wrong kind of spirit on it. Or you can have an R movie that I feel like my son's ready to watch like Braveheart. Braveheart's from the heart of the father, anyways. It's a <laughs> but they're like, Dad, why can't we watch this movie? I said, well, in the um I said in the first one, they they said something that was that troubled me. And I said, it seems harmless, but I said there was an agenda behind that first movie to help to make you they want they want you to believe a law. And I don't want to go into all of what that was, but that was the premise. That, and I, and it led to this teachable moment, which I love when I have it with my kids because I'm a preacher and I just start getting, getting into it. And, and so I said, I said, it matters what you take in through your eyes and your ears. Jesus said, you basically, you have an eye gate and you've got an ear gate. All right. And so what you take in is what is you're absorbing. And I said, that's why it's important that you surround yourself. With, with good friends who have the same values as you. I said, it, you won't, I said it's, it's okay to have friends that don't have the same values, but you've got to be the influencer. So you're bringing, king, you're bringing God's kingdom to earth. I said, if you're surrounded, I don't, if you're, I don't care how strong you are, but if all your circle are people that, I've heard them call, you know, if you're flying, if you wanna fly with the eagles, you can't hang out with the chickens. So the eagles are staying on the ground. I mean, the chickens are staying on the ground. They eat. They pick bugs out of horse poop and other things like that. The eagles are flying high. They've got a, they've got a much higher perspective and view of the world than, than the chickens do. And so you've got to surround yourself, no matter who you are, um, with people that are going to call you up, inspire you, to do great things and and the right things in God's eyes. And so I said and that's when and that's when I went into my hole I said I, that's why I watched, if you want to watch a movie I look at it first. Because it could be an R movie that I'm like you can handle this or it could be a PG movie that no there's they've got a bad message behind this. And so um so anyways it just led to this opportunity to talk about your eye and your ear gate, which is part of stewarding your heart and, um, and making sure that this is, your heart's a lot garden for the Lord only. So the Bible talks about, in, in Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, it says, sow with a view to righteousness. So the image of planting seed, reap, in loving kindness, break up your fallow ground, your hard ground. So the Lord can rain righteousness on you. It's time for, it's time to seek the Lord. So the Lord can rain righteousness on you. So it's saying sow righteousness, so into the things that God says is right, which is later on, even in that verse, it says, seek the Lord. That's how you get righteous. (laughs) Like you can't be righteous on your own. You got to seek the Lord. It says, when you sow into that, when you sow into your relationship with God, you're going to reap love. You're going to, re- you're going to enjoy the fruits of the Father's love. But you have to break up your fallow ground. And so when you have fallow ground, when you have hard ground, we've had so much rain in the past two or three weeks. But if you got hard, compacted clay, it's just, it just runs off. But when that soil is broken up, it's easy to absorb. That's why the farmers till up the soil, because it's tender. Things can grow in that soil. And so, why do, you know, why do farmers break up the ground? It, it, it aids in draining and root growth. It turns organic matter, which is the decomposing material, into soil. And so, the cool thing about God is that he uses the old to build the new. And uh, I had this phrase come up into my mind, it may be too crude, but it says, your I, I had this thought, it like, your stool can become your stepping stone. It was like a little play on words, but I didn't put it up on there because I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how that's gonna look in big font, but anyway. <laughs> but your, your, your mess can become your stepping stone. Your cr- God can turn your crap into like a diamond I'm serious. And Jessica used to work at Hope Haven and uh, Hope Haven is a, it's a respite home or she was in charge of the respite home for uh, people with special needs. And so families that had special needs children or family members that were the main caretakers, this respite home was for a very minimal, it, was like, it might be like $20 for the weekend. They could leave their family member here there with, that had special needs, and Hope Haven would take care of them for the weekend and just give them a break and uh, because it's, it's hard work. And so she was in charge of that respite home, and there was a, this man na- named Richard from Elberton, and he had severe cerebral palsy. And his family never – when you have cerebral palsy, your ligaments and tendons and muscles are just – like tight as steel wire, you know, and twist, it's like twisted steel, man. And so part of just to help people with cerebral palsy maintain some range of motion is you just have to stretch them regularly. His family never did that. And so he was literally almost in a ball all the time. And you would tr- if you tried to pry him apart, it was painful for him, and you, it was very hard to do and um and so one time richard he had gotten impacted. he couldn't have a bowel movement, and so he had to be taken to the hospital and we went up there to 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 visit him and he was funny; he just was lighthearted, joyful guy and and Jessica was up there and he was he was sweating real bad in in the in the hospital bed. Jessica got a wet rag and just started wiping his head, and he looked over at me and he said, I bet you wish you was me. (laughs) And and part of it is this, and and, and Richard, one time he, and so he had to wear a diaper because he he couldn't go to the restroom on his own. And Jessica was changing his diaper one time, and Richard was giving her a hard time. He was kind of not cooperating. And, she, and Jessica said, Listen, Richard, I, if you're not going to cooperate with me, you're going to sit in this. And the Lord whispered to her right there in that moment, It's like, Yeah, you could sit in your stuff too if you don't let me clean you. And you, how many of y'all, we were actually talking about this this morning in prayer. You remember when um, Jesus offered to wash Peter's feet? Peter said, No, Lord, you can't wash my feet. I'm not worthy. But Jesus said, you can, well, Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, you can't have any part of me. If we don't let the Lord, if we don't come to the Lord with our issues and let him clean us up, we can't have any part of him. We can't experience him if we're not willing to be honest with our heart. And that's part of tilling up your ground is honest, honesty. And so Peter, after Jesus gave him that answer, Peter went, well, not just my feet, my head too. I love Peter just because he's just—he's like poking around for the right answer. <laughs> you know,
1: he's like, he's like, no, Lord.
0: He's like, this will impress Jesus. That I'm, I'm humble. And he's like, well, you can't, I can't, you can't have any part of me. He's like, oh, uh, well, not only my feet, my head too. You know. And so, Peter, I love him. And so, the good. Remember the parable of the sower. It says the hard that fell on the path, which is compacted impact hard ground it says you know the birds of the air were able to because it's just right there on the top the birds of the air were able to steal it which is representative of the devil and then there is seed that fell among the, the the thorns and they got choked out by the cares and concerns of life and then you had seed that fell on what they called good soil that reaped a hundredfold. and then uh, mark i believe it calls the good soil The honest heart. So, how to, what's the key to God's word, the seed landing on your heart and finding a place to grow is honesty. It's the key. That's what makes a good heart. It's not that you're righteous. It's not like this, like God's scattering seed, and there's a man who's just good and he's like, and, and, and God's like, oh, look at this noble, righteous man. My, my seed will fall on him, and he's going to bear a hundredfold. There's nobody righteous. No, not one, right? So what makes good soil? It's the honest heart. And this is what I'm talking about, where you bring the Lord your, your stuff, your mess, and he turns it into a diamond. It's just what he does. He makes all things new. But plowing, it breaks up weed roots, and it helps prevent weeds from, go, from growing, and your weeds compete, compete with your crop for soil nutrients. It says in Proverbs, the sluggard does not plow his ground. So the sluggard does not plow after the autumn, so he begs during the harvest and has nothing. And so, now this verse kind of confuses me. I was like, plowing after autumn? I thought... Fall was harvest time. But in Israel, wheat was uh, planted after fall. so it was kind of, And then spring was actually the harvest time. And so it's talking about this. So he begs during the harvest and has nothing. There is no harvest of any kind without plowing, slash tilling, or turning the ground. This is true in our relationships, our work, family skills, and hobbies. So I'm not, this morning, I'm not telling you to work harder. That's not what I'm telling you to do. I'm not telling you to do more. What I'm telling you is we have to be intentional. Now, there's a difference between trying really hard and being intentional. Now, what does God say we have to do to get to know him? In Psalm 46.10, does anybody know that verse off the top of their head? Be still and know that I am God. Okay? Be still can be translated, cease striving and know that I am God. Now, God has really done everything for us to know him. He's done everything so completely that all we have to do is be still to actually get to know him. I'm like, that just hit me the other day. I was like, that's amazing. I really don't have to do anything. But you have to be intentional to actually be still. You gotta carve out a piece of time to be still. That's where, that's the work. That's the intentionality, is actually saying, I'm going to take this portion of time to be still. But that's the part that we have that gets choked out. That's the part that, that we get distracted with or, or, or it's true for everybody. Like, this word of God is not for some people. It's for everybody. That's why I'm saying there's a part in our heart that is sluggish, that's not fully awakened. And that's going to be true until we see Jesus coming out of the clouds and we are transformed. It says, when we see him, we will become like him and we'll be taken up in the twinkling of an eye. And so when you see Jesus, this is what I love about the gospel. When you see him, you become like him. And so now we're seeing as 1 Corinthians 13 talks about, as like in a dim mirror. Like, and so we're seeing like a, a, an image, but it's not totally clear. And it's, we're growing in that revelation of God. It's like, it's, it's like that, that mirror is getting clearer and clearer until when Jesus comes back and we see him un, totally unveiled, not only us, but the whole world. And what's the whole world going to do when you see Jesus unveiled? The King of Kings! Everybody's gonna hit the ground because you're gonna see Jesus as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that's why I tell people, I say either bow the knee now or bow the knee later, but you're gonna bow the knee. And God wants you to do it now because when it's too late, it's too late. And so you have to, and so part of tilling the ground is actually allowing the Lord of the harvest to come in there and do work. And, you, and all he says is be still and let me come in and listen. Brennan Manning, wrote Ragamuffin Gospel. How many of y'all read that book? If you haven't read that book, read it. It's, it's amazing. But he talks about, you know how, much do you, how, how do you know when you've prayed enough? How do you know? Does there a buzzer go off? Is there like Chuck E. Cheese light shining? are like, you win a prize? And but how do you know? It's when is enough? We don't we don't know. What is the what does the devil say to whisper in your ear? You didn't pray enough. You didn't pray enough. That voice of more is the accuser. You must do more. You must do more. Jesus did it all. It's finished. It's paid in full. That's what he yelled in Aramaic from the cross. He yelled, paid in full at the top of his lungs, as he as he breathed his last breath. And so that's why Paul says if you're trying to work for you're making if you're trying to work for salvation, you're making his sacrifice null and void in your life. So I don't, this is what, I don't want you walking away from this saying, I've got to do more, I've got to do more. But it's about the intention out of your heart because the things that you love, you make time for, right? And, and, but the key, this is the paradox of the kingdom, is you don't, you're not going to discover how much God loves you unless you let him love you first. <laughs> so one time when Josiah, he was like three months old. He was laying on his back on the bed, and uh, I do these, I call them ladybug kisses, but I barely touched the kid's cheeks with my lips, and uh, I had him on the bed, and, he was, and I was just doing this. Looked like a little goldfish, you know, like on his cheek. And he stayed there for 15 minutes. My lips got dry, and he did not move for like 15 minutes. I just I I told Jessica, I said, I'm gonna just keep doing this as long as he doesn't move and he just wouldn't move. So like 15 minutes, my lips are dry. And he's he he was this was what he was doing. He was, every now and then he'd blink. <laughs> just let me know he was alive. He'd blink 15 minutes. I was like, "Lord, that's crazy." And I felt like the whole the, the Lord said, I wish you'd let me do that. And what was he asking me to do? Just lay there and receive. A father loves nothing more than when a child actually receives their love. When, And that's, and that's why it says Thanksgiving. Enter his gates with Thanksgiving. And so when one of my children, whenever I, I, I've done something for them, and I can tell, like, they're just... Receiving my love, man, my heart gets full, and so it actually f- fills the Lord's heart up when you carve out a place and a time to be still and do this and blink every now and then so there's things that are that are weeds in our life as well and this is the the keeping your heart with diligence thing where so diligence is a is a consistency is the best way i know how to put it it's a consistency it's a steadfastness diligence doesn't mean you're the necessarily like the hardest worker it means you're consistent or you're trying harder than everybody else. That's, sometimes when we read diligent, you just see like somebody's just like, ah, I'm going to, let's do it, let's do it. I mean, that's that's what I get where you're just like, I'm going to work. I'm getting after it. But no, it's like diligent is just like steady, consistent, disciplined, faithful. And you're just like, man, I don't feel like it today. I'm going to do it anyways. Here we go. How many of y'all get up, go to work when you don't feel like it? All right. Everybody's. Raise your hand. Come on. And so, but, uh, and so there's times where that, where the Lord was like, hey, I value my job, right? So I value my relationship with the Lord. So there's times where I, I'm going to read the word even when I don't feel like it. That's diligence. That's diligence. And so it says, a diligent man maketh rich. Now, be in the context of finances, but rich in the eyes of God ultimately means how much of the kingdom of God is in you. And so this diligence is, uh, is um, but it's also a tenderness and a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And so you sometimes we get weeds in there. And a weed is something that sucks the strength out of you and does not produce fruit. What things are in our life that take our strength, they take our energy, but they're not producing any fruit? Now, I'm not saying, you always, when you preach, it's always good. This is a preaching tip. You always need to say what you're not saying, okay? I'm not saying, hey, don't, go watch it. Don't watch movies. Don't have any reckon leisure. Don't do any of that because that stuff actually can, can be good. To, it's good to rest. But it's just like anything else. Too much alcohol. Too much reckon leisure. <laughs> Too much food. It'll all make you sick, right? And so the definition of weed, something that sucks the strength out of you, does not produce fruit. And so the the other night, I'm going to tell on myself. When was it? Uh, Tuesday night. So we've we've got goats. We got, we actually have two brand new twins that were born this past, on Monday. And Tuesday was that torrential downpour. And we have a roll of hay under our shed, and it was it. The, so the keep it dry, but it created like this dam, and there was like standing water, probably a foot high, and it was going into the shed because the outside of the water uh, of the shed was so saturated because it was just standing water, and it was rising. I mean, the rain wasn't letting up, and so I had to, I had to go out there, get a get a hoe, and I d- just dug a trench for about 45 minutes in the rain, to try to funnel that water down towards the field. And we've got this one goat who, his name's Rocky. And his name's Rocky's because he was orphaned by his mother. His mother rejected him, tried to kill him. But uh, anyway, she tossed him like five feet in there, like three times and my kids saw it. They're like, and I was just like, go inside, go inside. We had to make we had to tie the mama down to a, or tie her to a post to try to help the baby feed and she would not want any of it and the, the baby was had spots on it and it was one of the twins now the mama was was all white one of the twins was all white and the baby had spots on it and she rejected the baby because it had spots on it was what we're guessing but she would even fight we ended up having to bottle feed him bring him inside and he has two black spots on his eyes and so we called him Rocky because he has two black eyes and he was a fighter like Rocky we don't know any of his. he had parents like Mickey was his only father figure so so we called him Rocky but Rocky because we bottle fed him he thinks he's one of our children and he was and all and he has one thing he he has doves eyes because there's only one thing he thinks about, and that's food. He will run through a brick wall to get the food. And part of it's wondering if he, you know, you we call this thing like a, a poverty spirit, or even like an orphan spirit, where you're like, uh, will I have enough? Will I have enough? And it's just like in survival mode all the time. It's like it seems like Rocky's like that, even though he's fat and plump. And so I'm trying to, I'm trying to hoe. And Rocky keeps getting in my way, and I'm like, I'm like, get out, come on, Rocky, get out, and it's pouring down rain. And he keeps getting in my way, he's tripping me up, and he, he just frustrated me so bad. I grabbed him by both horns, and I slung him like this. I slung him about 10 feet, and he like landed on his back. I said, now, get out of my way! And then I went, I remember this proverb, don't treat your animals bad. I like, Lord, forgive me. And then I was like, petted Rocky. I said, you do need to stay on my way. Just I won't throw, I won't throw you again. But, you know, I'm talking to my animals out there. But but I, I list that as an example of being sensitive to the conviction of the Lord. Because the moment I threw him, now he was totally fine. Like, that's why I threw him. I knew it wouldn't hurt him pretty much. But he, I was like, I can't let that type of frustration live in my heart, even if it's directed toward a, an annoying goat. Because if I let that live in my heart, it's going to come out on somebody that does matter. And Rocky, Rocky matters. But so that's what I'm talking about. Where you, where you're sensitive and I didn't like, I, t- you know, I just told Jessica, I said, I threw Rocky 10 feet, I asked, the, I asked the Lord to forgive me, <laughs> but I what I didn't like stay in this hole about it or anything. I just, because I knew like the Lord forgive me, forgave me, and I don't really want to do it again, you know? And so, but those little things, and then the other day, man, where are my children at? Okay. So no, my kids are in here, but uh, Josiah saw this, so he's fine. And, um. So Lydia, her and jo- they were coming off the bus and Josiah was in front of her and they, I don't know what they were saying to each other, but I saw Lydia, I saw it happen through the kitchen window. I saw it, the idea formulate. She was like, hmm. And she picked up a rock, threw it at Josiah, towards the house, in front of a window. And I, I was like, looking through the window, I was washing dishes, I was like, And I go out there and I'm in like puffy chest mode. And so I went and I said, did you just throw a rock? And I'm, I'm, I mean, I I walked out there like this. (laughs) And and she went, "Uh, "Well, Josiah, you know, she went, she did. I mean, I saw it and, and Jessica came out there. She's like, Travis, Travis. And I just, I went like this. I just turned and walked back in. I went like this. And she came in and and she was, and Lydia had her head down. She was, I could tell, you know, she was feeling shame because of the way I came out there. And she goes back into her room and Jessica's like, go talk to her. I was like, I gotta simmer down a little bit. Because I was just, just like, you're throwing at your brother, then you're going to almost hit the window. You know, I'm thinking all those things. But then I, I simmer down, I go in there, and I said, listen, I didn't even bring up anything that she did. Because it was all about, I'm taking ownership of Travis, right? <laughs> I said, honey, I came out there, totally wrong attitude, totally wrong approach, and I know the way I... You felt shame because of the way I, I came out there. And I, with the way I did it was totally wrong. My, my full responsibility, will you forgive me? And she's kind of crying. And she said, yeah, I forgive you. And I hugged her. And I just said, I said you're amazing. You're amazing. And then later, we, she, was, she was good. And we talked to her about not throwing rocks. But it was without me throwing a temper tantrum. All of those things are important. It's not just how, what you look like before God. It's what you look like before um, your fellow human beings. And what I mean by what you look like is, man, Andrew Murray said, you're only as humble before God as you are before man. So if you're like, oh God, <laughs> I'm nothing without you. And then you can't take correction, like Jessica corrected me. And she told me, she's like, listen, I, you can tell me if you don't want me to stop you. And I said, no, please stop me. If I, if I do one of these, please stop me. Because I don't want to hurt my kids, but we're just not perfect. And so that's part of keeping your heart, getting rid of the weeds. And ironically, bad resters make bad workers. So, if you actually want to be fruitful, you have to learn to rest. And what I mean by rest is, it doesn't mean um, there's a service project day and you're like, I'm resting in the Lord. Y'all go do the work. <laughs> you're resting from, you, from your trying to gain God's approval through your works. That's what resting means. It doesn't mean that you don't work hard or break a sweat, <laughs> but it is important. To spend that that alone time, just being still, and and come before the Lord to just listen, and I'm telling you, one like when God speaks to you, that's what gives you life, right? It says, man doesn't live on bread alone, but from every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So when you hear the Lord say, Galatians two twenty, and you turn to two, Galatians two twenty says, "For I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, and the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave His life for me." And you and you read that, and it comes alive, and it hits your heart, and you're just like, woo! And you get energized. That's what the Word of God does because it's there's grace on it, and you're like, "How I many you, you felt like you've read a." a a scripture maybe that you read 50 times and when you read it one more time, it's like lightning came off and you're like, whoa, I understand that now. That's what happens when the, when the voice of the Lord speaks. Or he says something to you that changes the trajectory of your family. Like one day i was spending a time with the Lord and he said, I said, how do you want me to pray for my, the kids? He said, Josiah kills with kindness. Lydia wows with wisdom. Zuri leads with love. And so I went in, so I told him that day, I said, hey, listen, this is what the Lord told me about you, and I want you to repeat it over yourself. And I said, now, you're not limited to these things, but these are some of the strengths that God's given you. Use them well. So... I'm going to skip this one. I'm going go to go this. Now, in Proverbs 18, 9, it says, He also, who is slack in his work, is brother to him who destroys. So what does this say? I asked the kids this the other night. This is kind of like Holy Spirit just talking a lot about my kids this morning. But before bed, I, 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 I gave them this scripture because the Lord was speaking to me about it. I said, tell me what you think about this. And Lydia said, I think it's, um, it's, it's saying like, when you don't obey God, that you're—it's like you're on the enemy's team. It's like, yes, good answer, good answer. And but I told I said, that's, that was I that was—I said Lydia, that's the Holy Spirit. He just showed you that. And Zuri gave another answer. That I want—I don't want—I don't have time to go into, but it's a wholly different, a totally different topic. And the Lord gave her answer, and I was like, Zuri, that is, I couldn't have a better answer for that, because she was telling her one of her friends something, and when I said that, Zuri, her face went less. She was in her bed. She went. <laughs> and that just tickled me, because she's like, oh, yeah, I got it right. you know.' And so... But this is saying there's no neutrality in the kingdom. And the, the slothful Christian, so slack, slothful, sluggard, slumbering, lump that all together. Okay? The slothful Christian is brother to the enemy and joins the enemy in opposing the work of God. Now I'll give you an example. When I was in college, called myself a Christian, was not following Jesus. And I had a, a friend I grew up with who said, and I was telling her, as was like, Jesus is not, now I knew this. Jesus is the only way to heaven. And my friend, she had a roommate who was Muslim. And she says, I can't remember the girl's name, but her, she said, this girl who's Muslim, Travis, she doesn't get drunk. She doesn't have sex before marriage. You do all that. And you're saying she's going to hell? And I went, good point. As I said, that was a good point because I, I, I was the half-hearted, slothful Christian who had not surrendered yet. And my witness to the world was, there's no transformation. And so I'm aiding the enemy in reaffirming my non-believing friends' beliefs about Christianity. There's just no neutrality. There's no, you either are all in with Jesus, or you're not. And he says that. You're either for me or you're against me. And he even talks about, he says, you can't, he says, listen, if you want to say goodbye to your parents before you follow me, you're not fit for the kingdom. If you put your hand to the plow and you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom. What is he saying? He's using an example of hyperbole where, is it wrong to say goodbye to your parents? No. Is it wrong to he says, the son of man doesn't have, foxes have holes, but the son of man doesn't have a place to lay his head. And you, Are you willing to do that? Is it wrong to have a bed? No, Jesus isn't saying that. What he's saying is, he's got to be first. And if it comes to following him and you don't have a bed, then that's what you do. If it comes to where you have to leave, you, you may never get to see your family ever again, then that's what you do. Who is the young man that got killed last year? Sharing the, the gospel on some like remote island to some indigenous peoples, he never saw his family again, right? And he knew that was like a risk. Does anybody remember where that was at by any chance? Is it was a YWAM guy? And so he, he was he was uh, martyred, and that's what Jesus is talking about. Are you willing to to go to that length? He gave that that guy gave it all. The slothful man does not want to submit to the transformation process of being conformed to the image of Christ because they actually possess little love for Christ. And um, Graham Cook said that they were, there was a guy that was um, in a sexual relationship with a woman. He wasn't married. And and they were talking to him. He like, hey, man, you just, you got to like, ditch this relationship or stop what you're doing because this is not like the way of of the kingdom. And they're doing it in love, trying to restore them. They're not like kicking them out of the church or anything like that. They're just, it's like, Hey, this is just kind of like what it means to follow Jesus. And the guy said, no, I don't, I don't, I'm going to continue doing what I do because Jesus loves me. He'll forgive me. And Graham Cook said, well, yeah, the question is not whether Jesus loves you, but do you love him? Because Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments, right? And so what I'm saying in that is we all fall short of the glory of God. It's because we just don't have the full revelation of love yet. <laughs> we don't have a full revelation of how much God loves us. And so when we, and so that guy, though, he's like, I'm forgiven by Christ. He didn't have a revelation of, of the love of Jesus. Because when you get that, you're like, have it all. You can have it all. I'll sacrifice whatever. It's not even a sacrifice. Have it all. And that's what we're all growing in. And then Proverbs 21, four says, Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked is sin. Now, what's interesting is this, the lamp of the wicked, that kind of phrase, it's another way to interpret it is un it's unplowed ground (laughs) so haughty eyes and a proud heart in the niv actually beats the esv in this case and so haughty eyes and the proud heart the unplowed field of the wicked produces sin the unplowed field of our hearts produces sin that hardness of heart that insensitivity to the holy spirit and the way you grow in sensitivity to the Holy Spirit is you, is you respond in those moments like that. When I'm out in the, in the pouring rain and I just flip my goat 10 feet and the Lord says, you don't need to do that. And I'm like, yes, sir, forgive me. And I just, I keep hoeing a ditch. But it's in, the, it's in those little moments day by day where you're just like, all right, Lord, yeah, that was wrong. And I like got a conviction. That's not the first time I've thrown an animal. But that time got me. I, mean, I know I'm exposing myself here but but when my my dad grew up on a farm animals were for one purpose like working they weren't like a whole lot of pet stuff and that's how I was raised and so I've even had to like unlearn some ways that aren't necessarily and I'm not even saying it's bad like anyways I'm saying you you gotta like That's how you did it. Instead of getting it with a rope and taking it over here and tying it to a tree, you just tossed the thing. But the Lord was showing me what's the right way. And so you're just being sensitive to that. So how do we... So ways to till the ground of your heart. First of all, just talk to God. It's really that simple. Just talk Him, involve him in your life. Involve him in, the, in those things where, that you're not proud of, like throwing a goat. Go, you need a secret place, time with the Lord. You need to just, we need to read and meditate on the word, thanksgiving and praise. Don't try, if you don't have time to read through the Bible in a year, that's fine. Read through Psalms in a year. But, or, or take one verse a day and meditate on it and think about it every day. Like, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Lord, what does it mean that I, I don't live anymore? You just think about it. You meditate on it. Ponder it. Thanksgiving and praise. There's a lot of complaining in the world. If you want to, you know, in, in uh, Philippians actually says, if you want to stand out from the rest of the world, you don't complain. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> It says, this proves that you're a part of the kingdom when you don't complain. Now, I'm like, yeah, I could see that in our world. How many of y'all is just complaining all the time in our world? And so, thanksgiving and praise. Be still. Listen. Repent when convicted, like I just said. Keep things in the light. I had a woman come up to me at the gym this week, and she said, um, will you pray for me that I, the Lord helps me renew my mind? And, she, and um, I was like, yeah, I'll be happy to pray for that. She's like, yeah, I just am really, really struggling. I said, okay. And in my heart, I was like, like this seems to get this in the light. I said, do you want to like kind of, I said, you don't have to. Totally your choice. But do you want to divulge on what the struggle is? And she said, mm, No. I said, okay. And I said, uh, and then she started talking about her counselor, and I said, I said, you need to talk to a counselor or talk to somebody. I said, the reason I even asked you that question is because you need it to get in the light. You try to like hide this thing. Cause she even says, she said, I'm ashamed to, to come to my pastor with this. She doesn't go to our church. And and I said, <laughs> Why would she say that to me anyways? And so um and and so I was like, "Why are you ashamed to go to your pastor?" She's like, "I don't know." I said, "Are you afraid like he would reject you?" She's like, "I don't know. I don't think he would." I said, "So are you just are you embarrassed?" She's like, "Yeah." And I said, "Why are you embarrassed? Why do we get embarrassed when we struggle with things?" It's actually that's pride, actually. <laughs> but you don't want to be exposed. But what did Jesus say? You have no part in me unless you let me clean you. And that's getting in the light. You're only as humble before God as you are before man. So I just kept talking. I just encouraged her. I was like, listen, I don't don't care about knowing any of your stuff. I said, I'll pray for you. I said, but you got to get in the light. You confess your sins to one another and you are healed. That's why I even told Jessica, I I threw Rocky 10 feet. I repented she's like oh, okay but even when, even with that i got it in the light and then some other things you can do silent retreats go on a hike tub therapy stargazing get on a trampoline lay on your back look at the stars or on the ground fine but just do things that make you be still and be in wonder of the lord it's that's good for your heart. It's good for your soul just to be in wonder. Even this, I was just, this morning. There was a black cat crossing the road. I was like, Lord, is this? There's just life all around. Like this cat's he's he's got his own little cat world, and he's just like, where's where's the tuna at? You where's the you know where's the mouse at? And he's you just kind of directing the steps. And, and, you know, I was just like, man, look at these trees. I, we we got these beautiful trees down here in South Oconee. And, uh, you know, so just being in wonder at the Lord and how he orchestrates things in this world. All right. So that's the closing. But we're going to do communion. And so would uh, Alexis, will you tell Greg and Brittany and the kids they can come out here for communion? Or David. David's got it. Sorry, sorry, Dave has gone. So we're going to take communion, and um, we do this uh, once a month, and it's just to remember what the Lord's done. Jessica and I take communion often at home, and ever since I've started taking communion more regularly, we 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 do it almost every night. You don't have to do that. I'm just. We just do it.